Hey, it's your girl Sammy Chesky, and welcome back to my podcast, Sammy's Hideous Laughter, where if you fail your wisdom saving throw, you are forced to laugh, and if you pass, then you shit your pants. Welcome to the second episode of my podcast. I'm super excited for this. I'm aiming for this episode to be a lot longer and fun where we just have a cool time and talk and a little bit of a rant that I have planned. So yeah, get excited for that. Anyway, I'm just gonna dive right in to the topics. Uh, First, I would like to mention that if anything sounds different, I am recording this second episode at my new place. I'm in my new apartment. I am in my own office right now. I've put some acoustic phone foam up and stuff. I got it semi set up. I have my desk put together, my monitors up. I have a shelf to put my monitors on now. So that's very cool. I have a lot more space. So hopefully I can be pushing out more content a lot faster and better. And I'm super excited. But if the audio sounds kind of weird because this room is still kind of empty, there's only acoustic foam on one side of the room and like four pieces next to me right now as I speak. So audio might be a little echoey, might not be like spot on perfect, but you know, life be like that sometimes. But I'm really happy and I'm really excited. I've kind of tried starting to decorate and clean up a bit and get things set up. I plan on putting Pokemon cards and comic books up on my wall as decoration, as well as some paintings I've done and a little peacock canvas that I have that I absolutely adore. So I'm excited for that. I have an entire wall full of acoustic foam that I'm gonna use for recording, my green screen setup over there that I can use for recording or photo shoots, which hopefully I will have another photo shoot soon. Sorry, it's been since like April for my last photo shoot, but you know, life be like that sometimes. But anyway, I'm gonna read off some of the topics that I had planned. And my first topic that I wanted to talk about was The Sims. Uh, First, The Sims 2 is obviously the best Sims. So I wanted to get that out of the water. Is that, I don't know the saying. But anyway, Sims 2 is the best game. But that's not what I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about the fact that I just figured out how to put custom content into my game, into Sims 4. Like I've never known I've always played vanilla Sims. I've never had mods or custom content or anything in any Sims game before. And I've been playing the Sims for 84 years. And it's crazy because I just haven't done anything. (laughs) Uh, And when I figured out how to put in custom content for a long time, I just didn't know how and I didn't bother to try to figure out. But when I figured it out, it changed my world. <laughs> I've been, I keep adding custom content and stuff, although some things have messed up my computer and I've had to clean it, but we don't talk about that. I'm not the smartest human being and I don't claim to be smart, but a lot of the custom content is slightly amazing and I'm really happy and I'm excited and I know that with my degree, my video game art degree, in which I know how to 3D model and texture, I have plans that once I graduate, I will be creating my own custom content. I think that would be pretty darn cool. And I want to do that very badly because there's a lot of things that I want that I can't even find in custom content already created. And I feel like, you know what? Let's put my degree to use and make The Sims 4 custom content. And you know, that's my plan now. I also plan on making my own video game, but I'm gonna talk more about that later, actually. That is one of my planned things, so I won't talk about that much now. But I do really want to make my own custom content and maybe do some free releases or paid releases or anything because that would be fun. And I think it would be a nice hobby to do, especially since I kind of know what to do. My only problem is once I graduate, all of the programs I use now to 3D model and texture things, I will no longer have a license for. So I would have to pay for it myself and I am a broke, child well i'm not a child i'm 20 but you know i'm still a broke 
small girl who has not that much money because a lot of these programs are expensive. Same with my Adobe products. I won't be able to use my Adobe products after this and I've loved using Adobe After Effects and Premiere and Illustrator and what's it called? Lightroom. I love using all the Adobe products, but I won't have the Adobe products um, after I graduate, which sucks. Which sucks giant ass balls. Such sucks dick and balls. I apologize for that one. Also, I apologize. I have a drink and I'm drinking it because I'm going to be talking a lot. So might as well have a drink before I die. But anyway, another thing I want to talk about is Cottage Living was released. Um, right now for me, it is August 7th as I'm recording this. Cottage Living was released like July 26. I don't know. I'm probably totally off, but I want it so bad. But of course, I can't afford it. Well, I technically can, but I don't have like the actual money to do so because bad suck. <sighs> because I, everything, life is expensive. <laughs> but I really want cottage living. It looks so fun. A lot of the stuff looks so cute. And I'm so excited with custom content that might come with it. <laughs> and I love the things that you can do. And I just want to make a cute little farm girl, the cottage core living life. And it just sounds so amazing. And I want it so bad. I've been watching Plumbella play it a lot. She's been playing it quite a bit. She, well, okay, so she had like a pre-release thing, so it wasn't like the complete pack just yet until it was released and then she had everything that came with the release, but she would play it and I'd always watch her videos of when she would play it because it just looks so good and it looks so fun and I love her and she's great and I wanna be her friend, Plum Bella, even though I know you're not listening because why would you? Um, I love you and I want you to do the best in life and I really hope everything's going well, you're relaxing, you're doing good and all that and also we should like, I don't know, play The Sims together or something sometime or even another game, who knows? We can just like chill. <laughs> um, I know, I'm insane, but I got nothing. But <laughs> but I'm still really excited because I really want uh, Cottage Living. I keep watching things about it and I just really think it'd be fun to have. So hopefully if I get any spare money sometime in the future, that would be pretty epic to, to get Cottage Living. And then maybe I can stream it or something, stream myself playing it because I love playing The Sims and I love streaming The Sims. So obviously, that would be pretty cool to do that. Also, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but since we're on the topic of The Sims, uh, I did get a Sims tattoo back in May. I have it behind my ear, like on my head. It's just the plum bob and it has, it's just the outline. It has a slight outline of green as well. Super small, but it's super dope. I got it with my best friend. I have one on my ear and she got a plum bob on her arm, but hers is shaded and like, cool looking and stuff. Mine is super simple, super simplistic because I really like simple tattoos. Even though I do want some more that are a little complex, I still want them to be mostly just line art because I'm not the biggest fan of like colored tattoos, at least on myself. I think it looks really good on other people, but for myself, I think I'd prefer just some simplistic line art. And if it is a bit complex, still just line art and not as much high detail that might be needed in something. Um, but yeah, I think that's about all that I have to talk about The Sims. If I talk more about it, I'm just going to be talking about, you know what, actually, <laughs> I was going to say, I'm just going to be talking about the custom content that I've downloaded, but you know what, I am going to talk about that because it's literally cute. You know that strawberry dress phase that everyone was like excited about? Yeah, I got that downloaded because that dress is so cute and I want it in real life, but I'm pretty sure it's like really expensive. And if I can't afford a $40 expansion pack for The Sims, I doubt I can afford that dress. Uh, I also got the 
these shoes downloaded that they're platforms because I absolutely love platforms. If you've seen pictures of me or my medicine music video on my main channel, Sammy Chesky, you should check it out if you haven't. But anyway, uh, I love platforms. I love platform shoes. And so I downloaded some for my sims game because i have like my sim self on it and i want her to look cute and amazing and she looks better than me which sucks because i wish i was her but anyway i say but a lot please just bear with me i'm new to this i'm just rambling but anyway i got her some platforms and a lot of platform shoes i definitely got her some like sneaker platforms because i think they are good like casual things and then i also got her platforms that were based on uh, Wire U shoes, an actual shoe brand that makes amazing platforms. I do have a couple of their platforms that are just comfortable, nice, and I like them a lot. I've actually planned on my next photo shoot using a pair of one of their shoes for it. Amazing platforms, I love them. So I got, um, shoes for custom content that was like inspired by some of their shoes it's basically their shoes but definitely not the same designs i also got some rings and dresses and different hairs i was trying to get a lot of like split dye hairs because right now i have part like white part black although it's faded and blended together so it's part light blue and part dark blue but I've been trying to find a lot of split hair dyes that are done like that on my sim. Although I get very specific, so I need to make sure, oh, the white is on the right side, the black is on the right side. So I <laughs> am very picky and I need to make sure that the hair color is on the right side of the split or else it's not correct. So uh, it, it was slightly hard to find split hair dye with the actual colors on the right side. Plus I wanted them to have bangs because I have bangs. I wanted them to be the right length. So yeah, I'm picky and stupid and dumb. I'm a dumbo, but I put in the effort anyway. And the stuff that I found was actually really nice and really cute and I've really liked it. I've also gotten some like eyelashes because in The Sims, if uh, your eyes do have lashes on it, they're just a thick bar. And if your sim doesn't have eyelashes, like if the eye you chose doesn't have eyelashes, they just don't have eyelashes. So I got my own custom content lashes to put on my sim because they don't have lashes with the eyes that I have put on them. And oh, I love them, I love them. They remind me of some of the false lashes I have. Chef's kiss, just beautiful, just great, just fabulous, fantastico-so. So that's been gorgeous. I got some cute blushes, how I do my blush, which is on the uh, cheeks, cheekbones and then over the nose or tip of the nose and stuff. I really like that style. I got stuff with little heart stamps and um, piercings. I got piercings so I can put like a nose ring on me. I got some cute lipsticks and lip designs. Also these eyes because the generic Sims 4 eyes, I mean aren't terrible, but these eyes that came with a makeup pack I got are super cute and a lot more like not super realistic, but like just has so much detail that it's just gorgeous. And so I always put those on my Sims because it makes them look 10 times better. So I think that's about all the custom content I have right now. I do wanna get more. I did actually, I did get some custom content for like waiters for restaurants because there was like a certain theme I was going for with a restaurant I made. Uh, so I gave them like these custom content outfits. But yeah, that's about all I have for the Sims topic. Can't think of anything else that's just been on my brain, on my mind, and I was really excited about it. So I wanted to talk about that. And also talk about my recent game uh, obsession, which is called Mini Motorways. That came out on Steam. It used to be on something else, I believe, but I don't remember what it was. But for my friend's birthday, she goes by Nintelda. <laughs> for her birthday, she was streaming it. And I was like, damn, this game seems stressful, 
but relaxing at the same time. And then she bought it for me because it was like eight bucks. So she bought it for me and I was like, hell yeah. And then I kind of got addicted to it because it was like really cool. Uh, to describe it, it's like kind of like city skylines, but you only care about the roads and nothing else. That's it. It's like city, don't pay attention to me. It's like city skylines, but not at the same time. Kind of, but you basically just build roads. Um, you have to make sure cars can get from their house to like a mall in reasonable amount of time because it is timed. It shows a little thing above the mall if someone wants to get there and if they don't get there in time, then oh, you lose. And you have to make sure there's enough rounds are made and get the highest score. The highest, I haven't reached like even 2000 yet on a place. I've only reached up to like maybe 1700, 1800. But I know like Nin and other people I know have gone past 2000 or up to 5000. I'm not that good and I'm not that good with strategies. I'm here to have a good time, not a uh, talented time. I'm not talented. No, I don't know how to explain it, but I have a good time. Yeah, it's super fun and it's challenging, but I don't really put any strategy into it. I just go with the flow and hope for the best. And that's probably why I don't get that high up, but it's very challenging and I really like it. So I'm gonna stick with my method and nobody can stop me. But yeah, I'm really addicted and it's pretty great. I don't know the amount of hours I put into it, but I know after having it just for one day, I had already put in like 6.3 hours into it. And I know that might not be like incredibly a lot, but as soon as I got it, I played it for like 6.3 hours and it was like, oops. So, <laughs> And that was fun. <laughs> that was um, a game I've been playing and sometimes whenever I wanna play, I get on a call with Nin actually and we just play it together. We share our screens over Discord and stuff in a call and we just play the game and then uh, watch it. How terrible things get because that game can get incredibly chaotic and stressful and overwhelming, but it's just so fun. And the sounds are also relaxing at the same time. I love it. I'm obsessed. I recommend it. It's on Steam, super cheap and definitely worth it because it's addicting. It has a lot of replayability uh, because there's always new things happening, new challenges, daily challenges, weekly challenges. And so it's, it's really fun and I, I really recommend it if you want something uh, just small, basic, relaxing, well, kind of relaxing, but also like challenging. It's really good and I really like it. So if that's something you like, I do recommend looking it up and looking more into it because my description probably isn't that great, but it is pretty good. And speaking of uh, many motorways that I want to use that to segue into my next topic. It's gonna be weird, but I promise it'll make sense. But ASMR, I've gotten into ASMR a lot lately. Um, I listened to, what first got me into it was this one lady. She goes by Yang Haiying. Well, Yang Haiying because that's her name, but uh, it's Haiying Yang. She's this like older lady and she's just so sweet and I love her videos and she does some ASMR videos and I really like that and that was all I was listening to for like a couple months and it would help me relax and like sleep and stuff so I really liked it. It wasn't until about like two, three days ago when I decided, okay, I kind of want to look into some other ASMR stuff because I've never been an ASMR person, but I was kind of interested <laughs> to look more into it because of um, Haiying. And then I found Jubilee Whispers and she does a lot of video game ASMR and I absolutely love it. And she did actually do a video of her playing mini motorways and whispering, like doing a whisper gameplay. And I actually haven't seen it yet because I'm, I've been addicted to her Skyrim. Uh, gameplays. She's done like, she speed ran the Skyrim game 
Uh, it was like a three hour video and it was just whispers and relaxation. The audio of the games obviously turned down pretty well. So then it doesn't like bother you. She also has done like a Firewatch gameplay where she whispers, although she didn't play the entire game because it does get into some sensitive dark topics. And she felt like it wouldn't be fair to do that for an ASMR video. She also does like whisper D&D stuff where she will, um, oh, some of that is actually kind of role play, which t personally I don't like role play because her thing is like she'll, she'll talk to uh, the viewer in a way, which isn't something for me that I don't really like. So I usually skip around the video, but there is a part where she talks about like creating a character and a character sheet and she describes what to do for a fighter. And I just found that super relaxing, especially because she's reading off of something. And for some reason, I really love like whisper reading. I always have when I was in elementary school and it was like independent reading time. And there was a kid sitting next to me and like they would read out loud but super quietly. Oh, I loved that. Oops, I hit my mic. But I loved it so much. It was so relaxing and then I couldn't focus on reading my own book because I was too busy listening to them and it was putting me to sleep. And so uh, I've been really enjoying her um, doing the D&D thing because she'll read off of that. And then I found out she actually did um, other Skyrim videos of her reading books from Skyrim. So that's also pretty neat. It's like an hour of her just reading books that are in Skyrim and whispering. And whew, it's so good. I just, I love it. And I know ASMR is not something for everyone. And it was never a thing for me. I never really liked it because it kind of, creeped me out until I kind of found this area of ASMR that I just really liked. So I've been really enjoying that. It's super relaxing. I can't usually fall asleep listening to it because it's hard for me. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I have earphones in majority of the time. And that's the best way to listen to ASMR, but I cannot fall asleep with like earphones in my ear. And if I do, it's usually because I'm extremely exhausted and I'll fall asleep with anything. Sorry, I took a sip of my drink. But the ASMR is just so good and I highly recommend that if you're into ASMR and video games and stuff like that and wanna find something relaxing, I really want to recommend Jubilee Whispers. And if you like just casual ASMR and something sweet and something nice, whispers or just relaxing topics and speaking, I do also recommend Yang Haiying. Uh, she also makes tea and I bought some of her tea from Etsy and it's fantastic. I absolutely love it. It's my favorite tea. So I do also recommend going to her channel and going to a link in her description where it's her Etsy shop or actually she might have it on her channel itself and get some tea because it is damn fantastic. Absolutely great. You know, like Tony the Tiger great. Something else I've actually been super addicted to have been horror games. I don't like playing horror games at all, but I've been addicted to watching people play horror games. But obviously I'll have it like on a screen and then have another tab, usually like Discord or something covering half of the screen. So usually I can only see like the face cam of the person playing, which usually is actually just like Markiplier, Gab Smolders. I've just been watching their uh, horror game plays, games, Markiplier's three scary game series and stuff and um, Gab Smolders play some longer games, or not necessarily longer games, but her videos are longer because they're usually from like her streams and stuff. So they're very minimally edited, but I've been super addicted to watching those because I like the creepy feeling, but I also don't at the same time because I, I wanna be like, ooh, spooked, like, <gasps> but at the same time, like, please don't freak me out where I'm going to start crying and having nightmares. That's also actually something with the ASMR um, Jubilee Whispers. She did one where she was reading scary stories uh, that but in whispers and she made sure to pick certain stories that wouldn't be like too terrifying but wow one of them was like 
freaking me out because it ended with something like someone under your bed. And I was like, oh, even though my mattress is on the ground because I haven't set it on my bed frame yet, I was still like, oh no, someone is under my bed. Even though that's not like possible because I was probably squishing them. But anyway, Markiplier and Gap Smolders uh, do some excellent gameplay as is, but I've been really addicted to watching some of their horror game gameplays. Um, and using that as a segue type thing to um, what I mentioned earlier about how after graduation I want to make custom content for The Sims, but another thing that I really want to do is create a video game. And I think my first video game that I want to do is actually a horror game, but more specifically a psychological horror game. Um, I want to make a psychological horror game about mental health, not really jump scares really. It's probably going to be a really short indie game type thing. and. I just kind of want it to bring attention to certain mental health and having multiple disorders because if you don't know, I think I mentioned it in the first episode, I have anxiety, depression, OCD, PTSD, and I am in the process of getting diagnosed and treated for um, borderline personality disorder and Tourette's. So I have a lot going on in my brain. <laughs> and so I wanted to do a little short game uh, kind of simulating how difficult it is getting up in the morning sometimes. Usually when I'm at my like lowest point, right now I'm actually doing pretty fine, so it's not like that at the moment, but I do want to make something that's just kind of stressful and overwhelming, but still in a way that won't cause any harm to some people, but of course I'll probably put a trigger warning because it will, uh, be covering sensitive topics because it will be covering different mental healths in you know this game and so I, I don't want to like trigger anyone because it's definitely a sensitive topic and it definitely can do certain things to different people so I want to make sure that everyone is safe but I do want to kind of simulate something that I personally go through and what other people might go through and that is having multiple disorders or disabilities that can be very debilitating just to get up in the morning and leave your home and how it can really take a lot of strength, a lot of energy, and it can cause you to just become exhausted so fast because sometimes I just get extremely exhausted. If I have too much social interaction, if I do too much, I will get so exhausted and it even sucks because I also have insomnia. So no matter how exhausted I am, sometimes I still cannot sleep. And so everything's complicated, but I do want to try and put that into a game because I feel like that would be something kind of cool to put together. And I do have some plans for it, but it's also definitely something I'm probably going to have to do after I graduate as of now, because I don't have a lot of free time to myself to do a lot of work and create a lot of content. And creating a horror game by myself is going to be a little difficult, but luckily it is just going to be a short game. And I do have plans for it to be mostly simple and mostly uh, voice acting, so hopefully it shouldn't take <laughs> seven years like Yandere Simulator, but we're not going to talk about that in this episode. But I am going to talk about more indie games because uh, I really like talking about indie games, and if you know me from my main channel, that's like a big thing for me, and I really like indie games, so since I was talking about me making my own indie game prop, probably and hopefully an indie game company someday even though it's probably just gonna be me and maybe a couple of the people who help me out majority of the time but I do want to talk about indie games that inspire me that have made me want to create my own game and those are definitely Castle Crashers, Franbo, and I believe it's pronounced Gris um, because it's Spanish I am pretty sure but the game's really inspire me because I want to become my own indie developer and if it wasn't for those games it probably wouldn't have like put me in this position of what I want to do in the future. I probably wouldn't be uh, majoring in video game art if it wasn't for some of these games but definitely Fran Bo has kind of inspired me slightly with the whole psychological horror idea because Fran Bo 
in my opinion, can kind of be like this weird psychological horror thing because it really puts you on this trip that strange. <laughs> but Castle Crashers is definitely more lighthearted uh, that I haven't really thought of something super lighthearted, lighthearted yet for a video game, at least in my brain. And I would love to create a game like Gris because it's just so heartfelt and that game literally made me cry. I was bawling my eyes out and it sucked because I also did that on stream. I finished the game on stream and then I started crying and then I had to take a break um, to stop crying and then I continued to talk about the game <laughs> on stream. So I already took a sip. I'm gonna keep apologizing every time because I don't want to edit too much. And so yeah, I'm just gonna keep it in and you're gonna have to deal with it because I'm me. I'm the villain of this story. This is my Joker uprising. But yeah, I'm, hope I'm hoping to become my own indie developer kind of someday. Uh, my plans with that though are to hopefully move to Australia and then kind of start my indie business type thing. So, um, because Australia is where I want to go to settle down, I don't really like America that much. And I'm not saying Australia is like going to be 10 times better, but I've just had that idea since I was in eighth grade, since I was around 13. And I've just kind of decided, you know what? Why not? Let's go for it. Fuck it. And so I am going to do that and all that jazz. So my plan is to go to Australia before really starting and making bigger things, especially since I want to go. If I want to have someone help me like with coding or something, I definitely want it to be maybe with someone who is closer around me. So if I'm not going to stay in America, I don't want to find someone who is staying in America to help work with me. So I don't plan on like really doing a business type thing or starting anything super professionally until I make that move and I do want to still stay pretty small just for for comfort uh, because it's comfortable for me and I feel like it can help make more comfortable games um, especially to whoever's playing the games. I feel like indie games are just more comfortable to play and get into because of how small development ones. I don't know if that really makes sense, but you know, there's there's me trying to explain it. Uh, there is actually another thing I do want to bring up with indie games is this kind of just popped up on my Google uh, like recommended things and it's the most important indie games of every year since 2008 and when I saw that I'm like you know what I want to look at it I want to see if any of my favorite indie games are on there which I don't think Castle Crashers or Franbo or Gris will be on there solely for the fact that I don't think they're actually that popular to my knowledge to where they because I didn't see them like everywhere as much as some other games so I don't think those are going to be on there, but if there's any other indie games that I really loved, then that would be pretty epic and I'll probably talk about them if I see them. But I just wanted to see some indie game stuff. Oh my gosh! Wow! First thing I see here, several successful indie games were released prior to 2008 including Cave Story and Alien Hominid, which Alien Hominid is by the same developers who made Castle Crashers and then it says but 2008 was the year that kicked them into the mainstream. Games like uh, Braid and Castle Cashers spurred on Xbox's Summer of Arcade promotion, began to normalize the idea of purchasing small downloadable games over larger ones sold on disc. Now, I just mentioned that I was probably not going to see any of them, but hey, Alien Hominid and Castle Crashers, that's pretty epic, and I remember Braid. Um, so... 2016 saw the release of No Man's Sky, The Witness, and Inside, all significant indie games that pushed the boundaries of their genres. 
I want to see the list. Most important indie game of 2008, they say, is Braid. I think that's how you pronounce it. If I'm pronouncing it wrong, that would be awkward. Braid is the indie classic that arguably started the meteoric rise of the genre. Developer number none managed to create a game that blended intricate puzzles and a complex story in a way that felt fresh. The story sees the player going to save a princess. However, the twist ending reveals that when rewinding the journey, the player had actually been the pursuer and the knight was the one saving the princess. This directly challenged the idea that players always control the hero in a new way. In an now archive post about Braid's success, developer Jonathan Blow states that Braid was the second highest selling Xbox Live Arcade game in 2008 and that success brought more attention to what indie games had to offer. You know what? That makes me really happy. I want indie games to get more attention. I feel like they deserve so much more but indie games kind of get brushed off because they're usually not seen as amazing because they don't have these amazing graphics. Like one thing, I had a friend in elementary school when Minecraft first came out and he didn't like it and he didn't want to play it because the graphics are terrible. And you know what? That's a stupid way of thinking. I hate that. Oh, speaking of that, most important indie game of 2009, Minecraft. <laughs> Minecraft seemingly took no time at all to establish itself as something special. The mechanics were accessible and nuanced. Its simplistic art design quickly became iconic and Minecraft's truly open world let players both escape from the real world real world and create their own. It was a game that became attractive to all ages, especially the, to those who grew up with Lego and had a fascination with building. Yeah, sounds about right. I remember when Minecraft was first coming out and once again, my friend just ranted about how all oh, the graphics sucked. And then he ended up getting into Minecraft like a year or two later. <laughs> um, there's some more stuff about Minecraft here, but I don't want to read like the entirety of the article. If you want to read it yourself, it's on screen rant. But um, it does mention here in 2019, Minecraft was a top contender for game of the decade and remains the best selling game of all time so far. Most important indie game of 2010, Super Meat Boy. I actually never played Super Meat Boy, but I heard it was really good. This year saw the release of Amnesia The Dark Descent, which played a huge role in revitalizing the horror genre as well as raising multiple Let's Play users to stardom, such as Felix Shelberg, better known as PewDiePie. However, the beautifully hard platform of Super Meat Boy not only revitalized its genre and gained some mainstream recognition through YouTube channels like Kids React, but it also started to bring more mainstream attention to the speedrunning community and established extreme momentum and precision as staple mechanics, which can still be seen in contemporary platformers like Celeste and Ghost Runner. Oh, that's interesting. I've never played Super Meat Boy, but I know people who really liked it. And you know what? That's, that's pretty darn interesting. I really like that. Most important in the game of 2011, The Binding of Isaac. I used to really like Binding of Isaac. One of Super Meat Boy's developers, Edmund McMillan, released an equally important title the following year named The Binding of Isaac. This game is special because of the way it blends genres and uses their design to tell its dark story. The Binding of Isaac is first and foremost a danger-filled Zelda-style dungeon crawler, and it uses the identity as a metaphor for Isaac's struggle with mental health. It also embraces roguelike mechanics that, while not the focus of The Binding of Isaac, introduce the idea to younger audiences that would come to popularize the genre in later years. I remember I did a um, painting once in uh, I think 2016. It was a painting, it was kind of a collage and I drew um, Isaac in it and I painted, oh well I mixed paints and made a specific blue that I saved and specifically called it Isaac's Tears. And that was the color that I, I created. And so I just used it whenever I was drawing, uh, painting him and I called it Isaac's Tears. And so I just go back to that. Most important indie game of 2012, Hotline Miami. I remember Hotline Miami. That was a cool game. I don't think I ever played it though, but I, I watched other people play it. Hotline Miami is a prime example of providing a fresh experience to a known formula by using its bold aesthetic to emphasize the gameplay. The bright neon lights, fast movement, and excellent soundtrack slam players with a wave of adrenaline, which feeds back into the high octane action of the gameplay. Its dedication to the aesthetic of 1980s America also provided an introspective look into the ultraviolence that permeated pop culture at the time. It's that blend of tight and memorable gameplay with the nuanced comments 
commentary on its subject matter that made it so special and inspired a wave of 80s inspired games. I like that. I don't have much to say about Hotline Miami, just specifically for the fact that I don't remember much about it and I never really did play it, but I do remember it was pretty appealing to the eyes. Most important indie game of 2013, The Stanley Parable. That came out in 2013? Why did I feel like that came out later? Like maybe 2015 or something. But I do know about The Stanley Parable. I've seen a lot of YouTubers play it. The Stanley Parable is all about the challenging all about challenging the mores of gaming. The player is given instruction by the narrator, however, they are also encouraged to make their own decisions even though they have no free will. The Stanley Parable managed to put the limitations of games on display in a way that inspired both designers and players to rethink how games can be made. The effects of this can be seen in future indies like Superliminal and event parts of AAA games like Ellie's Break from, the, from established mechanics to watch the giraffes in The Last of Us. I didn't know that, but that's super cool. I really like the Stanley Parable. It was like a big like brain blast, <laughs> but it was super fun. Again, I had never played it. I only watched a, like YouTubers play it. Like I think Jacksepticeye and Call Me Kevin played it. Maybe, or did they only play Superliminal? It's something like that, but I did watch people play this game and I thought it was really cool, but it was way too big brain for my small brain. But I feel like that came out in 2015, not 2013. Why does it seem like that's so early? Most important indie game of 2014, Shovel Knight. Shovel Knight brought the action platformer into the modern day. It refreshed the genre by embracing the games that came before it, such as Mega Man and even Super Meat Boy, with its precise platforming and movement mechanics. What made it really stand out was its art style. The vibrant colors and iconic character designs would make a significant impact on the gaming community, and Shovel Knight started showing up in other games like Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. You know what? Shovel Knight is also another game I haven't played. It's really weird because I'm so fascinated in indie games and I know all of these games, but a lot of them I just haven't actually played myself. I watch other people play it and then due to the fact that I kind of know what happens, I don't end up getting the interest in playing it myself, which is probably extremely stupid and dumb, um, but I've noticed I do that a lot. So I haven't played Shovel Knight before, but I've seen people play it and I have seen very good reviews about it. And I think it's very pretty as well. Most important game of 2015, Undertale. Undertale's a game I have played. It's also fantastic. Okay, what does it say? Undertale is in a similar position to Minecraft in that it's become a cultural phenomenon. The 2D RPG takes the conventions of the genre and completely flips them on their heads, highlighting the biases players have developed over the years. For instance, players have been conditioned to fight enemies, but Undertale makes a point of showcasing the emotions and motivations of each enemy to encourage a more peaceful solutions. It's mechanics like these alongside Undertale's memorable cast and pixel art that made it such a beloved game. Like Minecraft, it's a title that redefined a genre and challenged the expectations of what gaming experiences could offer. Fun fact, when I was with my shithead of a boyfriend, um, I actually first watched Jacksepticeye play this game and when I saw the ending of it, I was, my, I was crying. I was bursting into tears and that was the first time I had told my ex that I loved him. I just, Undertale really hit the heartstrings and I was like, <laughs> I love you. And that was a mistake. I sh he deserves jail time. <sighs> I hate men, except only him. Just him. He's not even man. He's trash. But Undertale is still a fantastic game. And I'm just happy that I don't have any negative memories or anything linked bad to this game because damn, Undertale's fantastic. I love it. It's amazing. 11 out of 10. Great. Chef's kiss? Yeah, that's it. I don't know. I said that earlier and I already forgot. Most important indie game of 2016, Stardew Valley. I really like Stardew Valley. The release of Stardew Valley led to a revitalization of the farming sim genre, provided a platform for players to just chill out and unwind and served as a testament to what a single person can achieve. Seemingly inspired by games like Minecraft and Animal Crossing, soul developer Eric Barone set out to make a game that would be a good alternative to Harvest Moon and provide players with everything that Harvest Moon didn't. This meant focusing on player freedom, a more inclusivity with gender and 
marriage and providing players a laid-back farming experience that didn't ask for too much of them. All of this made Stardew Valley an instant success that is still going strong. Yeah, that's true. I didn't start playing Stardew Valley until like 2018, I believe. About 2018, I think, 2019. Uh, I used to play a lot with some friends, but Stardew Valley is really fun. It's very relaxing, but it is something that if I play too much, I do get kind of bored and then I won't want to play it for a while. And then after a while, I won't want to play it again. So it is pretty on and off for me. It's probably why I never got into games like Animal Crossing. For some reason, I just can't like stay into them. But Stardew Valley was something I was able to get into and it's really nice, really relaxing. Most important game of 2017, PUBG. For some reason, I felt like PUBG would have come out a lot earlier from then 2017. Like how I, I didn't know that the Stanley Parable came out in 2013. I would assume that like PUBG was like 2014, 2015, but I guess it's 2017. Well, not the first of its kind. PUBG as player unknowns battlegrounds has become popularly known, if I can speak, uh, brought the battle royale genre to the forefront. It featured a huge map littered with weapons, gear, vehicles, and everything else that players would need to duke it out until one remained. While games like Fortnite, Apex Legends, Apex Legends, and Call of Duty Warzone would come to be the faces of the genre, PUBG is the game that truly started the trend. That is very correct. Most important indie game of 2018, Frostpunk. Weirdly enough, the first indie game that I have not heard of on this list. Like 2010, this year saw significant releases such as Celeste, which balanced ultra-difficult platforming with difficulty adjustments options and showed that platformers have the ability to tell a beautiful story about identity and mental health with nuance and respect. Frostpunk, however, released without as much attention, even though it elevated the city-building genre to new and more complex heights. Frostpunk takes the experience of the totalarian... Uh, border Inspector Simulator Papers, Please, Paper, Please slaps hard <laughs> and supplies it to running an entire city in which the survival of hundreds is on the line and the biggest hurdle to success is the player's morality and the sacrifices they are and aren't willing to make. Both of these releases act as reminders that video games are fully capable of being art that tackle difficult subjects, subjects and to do so with care. That actually sounds pretty dope and it's probably something I want to look into and play. But I actually, weirdly enough, haven't heard of it before. And it was 2018. But I do want to look into that, actually. That seems really, really cool. Most important indie game of 2019, Disco Elysium, which I have kind of somewhat heard of, but also never really played or actually looked into. I just kind of heard the name around. Disco Elysium is yet another game that uses the platform to tell a hard and powerful story. I'm just gonna stop it there really quick. That's kind of why I wanna make indie games myself and stuff I kinda wanna get into and do. I would love to make a nice, kinda not like short, but I don't know, like if you think of a, a big game, it can take like hours, like 30 hours to complete or something, but I wanna create a game that maybe takes like one to two hours. So I guess short game type thing, but I wanna do something like that where a game that uses its platform to tell a hard and powerful story. That's something I really wanna do, especially with like the psychological horror, uh, dealing with mental health. That's definitely something that uh, like I, I just wanna get into and do. Uh, getting back to this, to do so effectively, Disco Elysium created an experience that, as PCG, PC game, Games Ends Review puts it, set new genre standards for exploration and conversation systems. It's still too early to see how this title will affect the world of narrative-driven games, but there's no doubt that systems like its award-winning dialogue boxes will be greatly expanded on and experimented with over time. As it stands, few other games have explored narrative in the same way, and its writing has captured the attention of many. That's, that's pretty dope. I might look into it. <laughs> Most important game of 2020, Among Us. Among Us. With the COVID-19 pandemic causing fear, loneliness, and not lockdowns around the world, the rise of Among Us provided millions of people with a way to stay connected. Among Us took the formula of tabletop games like One Night Ultimate Werewolf. Oh, One Night Ultimate Werewolf is so good. Love that game. I'd love to play that more often, but unfortunately, I don't have friends, so I can't really play it. 
and adjusted it with smart design choices, such as not being able to talk until after someone is killed, allowing players with a bad poker face to maintain their ruse for a longer period of time. Even while to 2021, Among Us is still going strong as shown by the 15 million downloads while it was free on the Epic Games Store. Actually, that's pretty dope, but I did really like Among Us. I still kind of like Among Us, but I don't really play it as much anymore. All I can think about other means Among Us. <sighs> so good. <laughs> Most important indie game of 2021, Valheim. I think that's how it's pronounced. But okay, yeah, it says, while it may be too early to say what 2021 most important indie game is, which I was gonna say, I feel like it's a little too early to know, um, but oh well. While it may be too early to say what 2021's most important indie game is, Valheim is certainly proving itself capable of potentially taking the title, even though it hasn't still officially released, Valheim has been praised for its survival system in polished world. This is especially important given that a game developed by five people was managing so much positive press prior to an official release, while AAA studios still sometimes struggle with game systems even after launch. As it continues its development, Valheim certainly has the potential to bet yet another indie title that comes to define a genre, something indie games are increasingly able to do. You know what? That's a really good list. I really like that. And and um, Valheim is something I definitely have heard of and am kind of excited for. Excited to at least look more into it because I, I haven't done a lot of research on it, but it does look pretty nice, pretty beautiful. And I would love to look more into it, but it really, I really like it seeing articles like this bringing more attention to indie games as I feel like indie game developers and companies deserve so much attention. They create so much stuff and they are so talented and I tend to prefer them over big AAA companies and AAA games because indie games to me just feel more personal, comfortable. I don't know how to explain it. It's just such a nicer vibe that I really love so i'm really excited about something like this and i do like how an indie title that comes to define a genre something indie games are increasingly able to do which makes me so happy knowing that indie games can do that <laughs> where they can just like increasingly change genres and be so insanely powerful to important subjects or just the video game industry itself. And especially with everything happening with Activision and Blizzard, I am especially looking forward to supporting more indie games as well as becoming an indie game developer myself. Um, which I would talk more about Activision and Blizzard, but it is about time for me to end this episode. Plus I do plan on actually making a video about it on my main channel where I talk about the sexism in the video game industry, as well as talking about Activision and Blizzard in that video. So I chose to not focus on it too much in this video since I don't want to spoil anything for my video, as well as I want to make sure there is still content in that video. But I am really excited to see what more indie games can make. And as said previously, I'm going to be ending. So uh, I don't really know what to do for an outro. I forgot what I did in the first video. I don't know if I had some sort of outro there. Video <laughs> episode, sorry. I'm still not used to this podcast thing. <laughs> but I do just want to say thank you for listening. Um, if you're streaming this on a streaming service like Spotify or iTunes or something, depends on what I can get this podcast on. Thank you for listening. Please, you know, keep up, leave good reviews, all of that. And if you're on YouTube listening, go ahead, leave a comment, subscribe, like the video, let me know your opinions on all that good stuff. Comment down below suggestions for maybe guests I should have on, topics I should talk about or look into, different stuff like that, what you enjoyed most about this episode. Um, even then, you can also tweet it at me, uh, just tell me opinions and stuff. I'd love to hear. I'm always open to stuff like that. So yeah, thank you for listening. If you stayed here the whole time, I hope you enjoy and hopefully I will see you in the next episode. I guess I'll just leave the outro with my main channel until I figure out what to do for this. And that is thank you for listening, <laughs> not watching, listening, 
And adios, muchachos.